Hey, you are listening to Sean of the South, and I'm the host tonight, Sean Dietrich. And man, it is a bona fide pleasure coming to you via the podcast airwaves and the radio waves all over the nation. Only a few days to Thanksgiving. This wonderful group of musicians you see behind me here on our stage tonight is Cho Check, everybody. Cho Check Brass Band.
Thanksgiving is a wonderful time of year. A wonderful time of year. Probably my favorite because it's the time of year when nothing is to be accomplished on the agenda for the family but eating. Eating, it's a, it's a marvelous occupation to have in life, just to eat. To eat so much food that you, your, your pancreas starts to shut down and you release too much hormone in the body to digest the food so that you develop diabetes. I love this holiday more than I love the rest. My mother used to make a large spread of food. And we would eat from this table. She always had guests over. My mother never had a straight Thanksgiving without lots of guests. And I can remember one year when I was eating so much food that I had to go outside of the driveway and hold my stomach and lean forward. And I tried to vomit, but nothing would come up. And the dog was sitting next to me, staring at me. He was looking upward, saying... I don't mind eating it the second time around. I went back inside, I remember, for seconds. And while I was dishing up, my, my aunt came to me and she had a big old jug, glass jug of white wholemeal. She said, this is from the cow down the street. Would you like to have some? She poured it into a little white glass and she gave it to me. This stuff was so rich, it left a mustache on your mustache. But nothing is more important than Thanksgiving of course, than family. Family gathers around the table. They gather around the table and they all, they all tell lies to each other. They tell lies about their successes and their triumphs and their failures. For what is a family if not a big group of people who love each other and are experts at telling lies to one another around special event tables? I love this time of year when we can all get together and find the things that make us common instead of the things that separate us. And I love this time of year when we can all get around a big old spread of food and hold hands and bow our heads and say those five word prayers that old men have been saying since the beginning of time. Dear Lord, make us truly grateful. Make us truly grateful. Because after all, what is this life about if not for gratefulness, if not for enjoying the life that you have? with gratitude and of course this holiday for me is about having a family that is crazier than a pack of sprayed roaches and I've written this song in honor of that family that we all share in common I call this the Thanksgiving song now, Maestro if you please Thanksgiving is the time of year When the family gathers around When people pretend to love the ones Who visit from out of town Husbands watch the TV screen The wives slave behind a stove And nobody seems to know where grandpa is so Grandma checks the GPS app on her phone. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple trees. The Lord's been good to me. You chased Grandpa through the neighborhood and you found him on someone else's porch. He was telling stories that were not true And he had a cocktail in his hand 
He told them his name was Wilbur, even though his name is Sam. He pretended he wasn't a Baptist, but Episcopalian. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for giving me things I need, sun and rain and sycamore trees. The Lord's been good to me. Dinner with the family was nice. It was nice and filled with joy. Your 49-year-old Aunt Lucinda is pregnant with a boy. Your uncle has lost his dentures. He's gumming his food in peace. And your sister's dog, Duke, is eating corn on the cob with a brand new set of teeth. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the sycamore trees. The Lord's been good to me. Your mother and Aunt Macy, they got into a fist fight. And your brother and your sister are pouring taller glasses of wine. And Dad's in his recliner, snoring passed out cold. And nobody can find Grandpa. Grandma says, ah, just let him go. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the sycamore trees. The Lord's been good to me. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Let's have another tune here from this wonderful brass band, Cho Check, everybody. Cho Check.
Well, many of you know this coming Thursday is, is the annual Thanksgiving supper at the Fourth Baptist Church, Black Creek, Florida, which, which many of you remember used to be the First Baptist Church of Black Creek, Florida, but we had several splits <laughs> because we are Baptist after all. Now, this year's supper is made possible by a sizable, sizable donation made by Bill Donahue at Bill Donahue Ford dealership. Where are you, Bill Donahue? Stand up. That's right. He's offering a low-rate financing with no money down and $400 cash back when you purchase or lease a new Ford from Bill Donahue. Anyway, uh, if you want to submit a new dish uh, to this year's annual November Thanksgiving charity drive dinner, you need to go find Erica Smith. She's the chairwoman of the food committee. Erica Smith, raise your hand in the back. Everybody find her hand. There she is if you need her. Uh, this year's food lineup is quite impressive, I must say. This might go down at our own personal history uh, as some of the greatest food we've ever seen. We've got chicken cheese casserole by Marianne Washburn. Where are you, Mary? Good to see you, honey. We've got chicken cheese with rice casserole by Arlene Coffee. We've got chicken rice casserole without cheese by Ada Ryerson. And rice casserole with cheese but no chicken by Lou Madison. And, of course, we have cheese casserole with no rice or chicken by Mary Randall. And we have a casserole with no chicken, cheese, or rice by Randy Adams. We have Squirrel de Fantastique. (laughs) Miss Lawanda Sue made that. Also made by Miss Lawanda Sue is sautéed possum with river shallots. Fried green tomatoes by Sister Sharon Daniels. Oh, I do love me some of them. Uh, fried green pickles by Sister Sharon Daniels. Fried green celery stalks by Sister Sharon Daniels. And fried green M&Ms by Sister <laughs> Sharon Daniels. Uh, deep fried green watermelon rinds by Sister Sharon Daniels. And deep fried green apple cores by Sister Sharon Daniels. Uh, deep fried past issues of Better Homes and Garden magazines. Sister Sharon Daniels and deep fried green ham. We've also got the congealed salads. We've got ham and egg salad with green food coloring by Miss Rachel Robertson and jello salad with extra mayonnaise and extra peanut sprinkles as requested last year by the pastor. Amanda Ronalds made that. God bless you, Amanda. Uh, also on the, on the potluck line, back by popular demand, are the tiny crustless cucumber sandwiches about the size of a pocket-sized matchbook. <laughs> That provide no nutritional value for growing boys, but look pretty by Sister Catherine Johnson. And now, now we're coming to my favorite part of the buffet lineup. My favorite part. I, 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 in my mind, I sense some legends are going to be made this year. Some, some real strong contenders. We've got fried chicken by Sister Lucinda Adams. Fried chicken by Sister Arnetta McPhee Briars. Fried chicken by Edna Ann. Fried chicken by Sarah Kate. Fried chicken by Sandra Lee, Sue Ann May, Zachariah Jacobs III. <laughs> We've got fried chicken by Sherry McCookerson. Fried chicken by Barbara Ornetta. And fried chicken by Kate Cushion. And ladies, ladies, if you've brought fried chicken this year, please, we ask that you be respectful of your sisters in Christ because this is not a competition over who could make the best fried chicken. Last year... Last year, I'm sure many of you remember that somebody ruined Miss Sandra Lee Sue Ann May Zachariah III's car 
by shoving a potato in the tailpipe. <laughs> now, I don't need to tell you that this is unchristian behavior. Just like I don't need to tell you that whoever wrote the word adulterer on Sister Arnett's windshield and lipstick last year caused great distress and discomfort to Sister Arnett. Uh, potato cheese casserole, Regina Wheaton. Potato cheese bacon casserole by Kathy Walker. Potato cheese bacon and onion casserole, Miss Debbie Wendell. Potato cheese bacon onion pepper casserole, Miss Amantha Cruz. Potato cheese, bacon, onion, pepper, sausage casserole, Miss Serena Dirksen. And potato cheese, bacon, onion, pepper, sausage, and chive casserole by Miss Perry Ann Stone Mason. Potato cheese, bacon, onion, pepper, sausage, chive, and turkey casserole, Miss Drella Ford. And potato cheese, bacon, onion, pepper, sausage, chive, turkey, and cornflake sprinkle casserole by Miss Ann Wilson. And potato cheese, bacon, onion, pepper, sausage, chive, turkey, and cornflake sprinkle casserole with Swiss cheese, Miss Rory Drapestemacher. For those of you who don't care for that, we have potato cheese, bacon, onion, pepper, sausage, chive, turkey, and cornflake sprinkle casserole with Gouda <laughs> on this lawn of stations. Uh, roasted raccoon thighs with mango chutney and walnuts. Miss Wanda Sue again. All right. Turkey fritters, Yvonne Whiting, cornbread dressing, Georgia Tabman. We've got potato salad by Flossie Derrickson. Where are you, Flossie? God bless you. I love your potato salad. This year she's also making potato salad without celery. For those of you who don't want celery in your potato salad. She's also making potato salad without mayo or celery. For those of you who don't like either of those. And for those of you who are extra picky. She's also making potato salad without mayo, celery, or potatoes. (laughs) And now for our desserts. For our desserts this year we have some extraordinary variety. Things I... Things I think you're really going to appreciate. You want to come with your appetite, your appetite ready. We have some some good stuff. We've got pound cake by Sister Rachel Moss. Where are you, Sister Rachel? There she is. We've got lemon pound cake by Deidre Poughkeepsie. Sour cream pound cake by Francine Pondwater. Chocolate pound cake, Yolanda Lopez. Caramel pound cake, Uriah Gregory. Apple pound cake, butternut squash pound cake, brown sugar with caramel glaze pound cake, blueberry pound cake, almond pound cake, honey pound cake, mired pound cake, layered pound cake, mocha pound cake, orange, vanilla pound cake, vanilla pound cake, pina colada pound cake, amaretta pound cake, pistachio pound cake, pumpkin pound cake, and lastly, avocado and ricotta cheese pound cake (laughs) by Sister Lawanda Sue, who everybody, as it happens, just got released from the psychiatric ward last week. So remember to bring your canned foods for the children's food drive to the Thursday supper. All donations and proceeds this year will go to the Baptist Crusaders Against Beer Foundation. <laughs> Special music that evening will be provided by Bill Donahue's daughter, Mary Donahue. And remember to visit Bill Donahue Ford dealership who is offering a low rate financing with no money down and $400 cash back when you purchase or lease a new Ford. Hope to see you all there this Thursday. How about another tune here from Cho Tech, everybody? Cho Tech Brass Band.
We went to Birmingham last week. Last week, it was a beautiful time of year to be in Birmingham. My wife wanted to do a little shopping, so she dropped me off at the bookstore because I love bookstores. I love them, I love them, I love them. You see, all my life, all my life, I've wanted to be a maker of books from my earliest, earliest childhood memories. That is, until I discovered cheese, and then I wanted to dedicate my life to cheese. But books, they're important to me. The work of columnists has been important to me. Humor columnists. My father taught me how to read by sitting down on the sofa and flinging the newspaper open and pointing to the box scores of baseball games and pointing to humor columns written by by men who knew how to turn a phrase. And he would point to these words, these black text on the white gray paper and read them aloud to me. And I would follow along, and this is how I learned to read. I once asked my daddy, I said, what is a columnist? And he said, well, someone who writes for the paper. I said, well, well, what do they write? He said, well, they write columns. I said, well, well, what is a column? He said, "Uh, it's something that goes in the paper. I said, well, what is it about? Father said, oh, everything and nothing. Everything and nothing. There are some phrases that stick with you in life, and for me, this is one of them. Everything and nothing. My father used it all the time, this three-word, three-word moniker. We were once driving down the dirt rural roads, passing alfalfa, passing the, the summer wheat, passing the peanuts and the soy. And I was looking out the window watching the world pass by at 40 miles an hour. And I was just thinking, my father said to me, what are you thinking? I said, oh, I don't know. He said, looks like to me you're thinking about everything and nothing. I loved that. I loved that. Walked into this little bookstore. The place was decorated for Christmas. There's pine garland all over the place, hanging from the ceilings and from the corners, and holly and ivy and berries and poinsettias. It's still November, but here in this part of the world, we decorate for Christmas a lot earlier than the other parts of the world, I think. We love Christmas. We start bringing up the, the aberrations for Christmas right around Labor Day. This year, I helped... Uh, a man on the edge of our neighborhood hang his Christmas lights. He's 79 years old. Hung his Christmas lights the day after Labor Day. He said, I promise if you help me, I will reward you with a cold beverage. Now, now here in, in this part of the world, here in the sticks, you can get a man to do just about anything by offering him a cold beverage. You can get a group of your friends to move you across four state lines if you offer them a case of beer. Of course, your furniture won't make it without dings and scratches on it, but who's trying (laughs) I went to that man's house, put that ladder up against his gutter, and I strung lights all day, getting them in straight lines while he stood on the ground directing me. He walked me to his garage refrigerator when I was done, and I was sweaty. He clicked it open, and he pulled something out and handed it to me. He said, here's an ice-cold chocolate milk, son. I looked at it. I said, don't you have anything from the Budweiser persuasion? He said, son, I'm a Pentecostal. 
And the only time alcohol ever touches my body is when the undertaker injects it into my blood. <laughs> so, Christmas time, I love it. Sometimes, sometimes people in this part of the world will send their children for Halloween as Christmas characters. We saw some kids come up to our porch this past Halloween and they were dressed like Santa's little helpers. I said, why are you dressed for, like Christmas characters? They said, well, it's, these are the only things our mother would let us go as because we're only allowed to dress as good characters. When I understand this, when I was growing up, a deep water Baptist, my mother would only let me go trick-or-treating as, as good characters. Uh, one, one Halloween, I went as Superman. Uh, one Halloween, I went as Sherlock Holmes. Uh, one Halloween, I went as Billy Graham. <laughs> and I'm not making this up. One Halloween, my mother sent me wandering the streets with a pillowcase dressed as Jesus Christ. She only allowed me to go as G and PG characters. Nothing else would do. She had dressed me that year in a bathrobe. And she had let me wear a little wig, a long-headed brown wig. And she had painted on my cheeks with eyeliner and mascara a phony beard and used lipstick to draw my wounded side. My father had made me a two-by-four cross, miniature cross to carry on my shoulder and my mother placed a Christmas wreath on my head to represent the crown of thorns. And I wandered the streets with an open pillowcase. And I went to Mr. Wallace's house first. I got into his porch and knocked on the door. I said, trick or treat. Mr. Wallace looked at me and said, Martha, get on down here. Sean Dietrich come trick or treat and dressed like the ghost of Christmas present. <laughs> I said, no, sir, I'm not the ghost of Christmas present. He said, well, what are you? I said, I'm the fairest of 10,000, sir. He said, the what? I said, I am the Rose of Sharon. I am the Lord of the cattle of a thousand hillsides. <laughs> so I held open my, my case for him. I said, trick or treat. He said, ah. He dug into his wallet and he gave me $3. <laughs> I made $18 that Halloween. $18 altogether. But you see... You see, this is just the kind of people I come from. We don't believe in the blood and the guts because we were evangelical. And blood and guts is only reserved for holy days like Christmas or Easter. <laughs> I walked through that bookstore toward the humor section. Because I love humor. Humor has been very therapeutic to me throughout my life. Ever since my father died and an early death. Humor was, was important. It was more than important. It was everything to me. You see, laughter feels good, and you need it when you don't feel good. I can remember reading the books that were written by humor columnists. I can remember reading joke books. Jokes were important to me. This is why my cousin Ed Lee and I got along so well, because my cousin Ed Lee was two years older than me, and he knew more jokes than I did. He knew jokes that I can't repeat here because my mother would be listening to this radio show. <laughs> my cousin Ed Lee and I, I'll never forget, we went to the Catholic Church to see our good friend Margaret get confirmed. We walked through the front door. And my cousin Ed Lee looked around, and he saw the ornate things hanging from every nook and cranny of the Catholic Church. 
in the vestibule. At least that's what Baptists call it. We call it either the vestibule or the narthex. I'm not sure what the Catholics call it. We went into that service and the whole thing was in Latin. And everybody in the building knew when to stand up, when to sit down, when to kneel, when to pray. And went to make the sign of the cross. And when it was all said and done, we walked out into that lobby. And my cousin Ed Lee was just looking around. He said, wow, isn't this something? And there was a man, an old man. He said, yes, sir. He said, this is something. This is the Catholic Church. Welcome, son. Welcome. My cousin Ed Lee said, you think, you think uh, the Pope has something to do with all this ornate stuff? And the man said, oh, yes, the Pope. He's, he's the leader of the Catholic Church. He's the man who wears a big hat, the big pointy hat. He said, I went and I saw the Pope once. My cousin Ellie and I looked at each other and said, you did? I said, oh, yeah. I went to Rome, Italy to see the Pope. And I was standing in a big old crowd dressed in my fanciest suit. And I saw the Pope and his entourage come walking down the street. And I just about lost my bladder. I was so excited. And there were all people from all walks of life standing around waiting just to get a glimpse of that man walking by. And next to me was a homeless man with a long beard. And he smelled real bad. And we were standing next to each other, shoulder to shoulder. And when the Pope walked by, I shot out my hand to shake his hand. But the Pope didn't even notice me. Instead, his eyes traveled to that homeless man beside me. And that homeless man shot out his hand. And the Pope shook that man's hand and leaned inward toward that homeless man and whispered something in his ear. And when the Pope kept walking past us, I realized why the Pope hadn't even noticed me. Because the Pope is concerned with the downtrodden and the encumbered and the unjustified in this world. And so, I paid that homeless man 50 bucks for his suit of rag, ragged clothes and I swapped him my fancy suit. And I put on them ragged clothes and I ran ahead of the line and I got so far ahead of the Pope I could see him coming again with his entourage behind him. And I muscled my way toward the edge of the street and I leaned forward when he was coming by and I darted out my hand and that Pope's eyes locked on me. And he walked toward me and he reached his hand out to shake my hand. And he leaned forward to whisper to me. He said, I thought I told you to beat it, old man. (laughs) My cousin Ed Lee and I laughed and we laughed and we laughed. It was a joke of the purest kind. It was one you didn't see coming. I'll never forget it right there in the center of the Catholic Church. My cousin Ed Lee was very very, uh, curious about the confessional booth. When we were walking out, he saw them confessional booths in the back, wood and mahogany booths with with grating on the windows. He said, I think I'm going to go in there. I said, what is that? He said, it's confession, confessional booth. I said, well, what's that? He said, it's where you go and you confess your sins. I said, you ain't Catholic. He said, I still got plenty of sins to confess. (laughs) My cousin Ed Lee slid that door open and they slid it shut. The priest walked in behind him. The priest opened up the little partitional divider and he said, what is it, my child? My cousin Ed Lee said, Father, would you mind passing the toilet paper over? Because we're out on this side over here. Humor was important. It was important to us. I'll never forget, before my father passed, the last Christmas he's alive, he gave me a book. It was a leather-bound book, crimson leather with gold-leaf pages and gold writing on the side. It was a book 
with stories, humor columns written by Mark Twain, Will Rogers, and O. Henry. And I asked my father, I said, what's this? He said, oh, it's just a, just a book about everything and nothing. I think you'll like it. And after he died, I read that book four times in one year, cover to cover, every single humor column. And I needed it at that time because my father died when I was a boy. And life changed for us. When I was in seventh grade, and I'm not proud to admit this, I dropped out of school altogether. I never attended 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade or any grade that comes after that. It wasn't until I was a grown man that I enrolled in a community college and I made up my high school classes and I took college courses. I finished after 11 years and I'm no doctor. But books, they were important to me all throughout this, this period of my life, this educationally lacking period. I educated myself, therefore I take the blame for all foul notions I behold. I read books so often that I started to talk like the things that I was reading when I was with my friends. I would, I would speak in sentences that were complete. Conversations don't always go in complete sentences. My friends thought I was crazy, but I was just a reader. I loved to read. I would read sometimes for eight hours in a day, and that's no lie. I loved books. They got me through, and even when I felt like I was nothing compared to my friends who were in school, I felt, I felt a little less bad about myself because I, I knew that I read books. I read books. I wrote my first column ever when I was a teenager shortly after my father died I emulated I emulated the people that I respected the humor columnists and I wrote a column about Thanksgiving I wrote about my crazy family and about my uncle who probably is a sociopath (laughs) I wrote about gathering together and about how how your uncle lost his false teeth and how the dogs in the corner eating corn on the cob with a brand new set of chops I wrote about your senile grandpa and about your mama and your aunt getting into a fist fight. It was a humor column. It was 500 words written on a yellow legal pad with a big pen. And I sent it in, snail mail, to a small local newspaper when I was finished. I trembled when I put that letter in the mailbox. My hand was trembling. And I checked the paper every daggum morning, every morning. I'd open it. And I'd, I'd scan every page to see if my writing was in there. Big fat goose egg. They didn't run it. And I couldn't blame them. And I gave up altogether on the idea of ever seeing my words in print. But I was wrong about that because on the week before Christmas, I ran down to the mailbox at the end of the driveway and I picked up the rolled up newspaper. I flung it open and I scanned the pages and there it was. My 500 words written in column style and there was my name in print only it wasn't truly my name you see I'd sent in my work under a pen name because after all what if someone read it and they saw my name and they formed an opinion about me it's brutally honest work to attach your name to anything you write and so I'd used a pen name I've been writing my column that I have been writing 
that probably has introduced several of you here tonight, maybe even some of you on the radio, to me for four years next week. Four years. I was not supposed to be a writer. I was not groomed to be a writer. I'm a primarily, I'm a primarily educationalist man. And that's not even a word. <laughs> but I did manage to write some of my life down on the paper. And I guess I bear the name columnist officially now. But when I first started writing that column, I was going to write it under a pen name. I was going to write it under the name Bill Folds. It was either that or Seymour Butts. Uh, there, were other, there were other phonetic name puns on that list. But my mother was the one who suggested that I write under my own name. She said two things to me that she wanted me to do. A list of two things she wanted me to do for her. She said, one, write with your whole heart. Write with your whole heart. And two, make me proud. And well... One out of two ain't too bad. I was in that humor section in that bookstore, thumbing through the books. I wasn't really paying attention. I was passing through the classic joke books. There was one on religious humor. I love religious humor probably the best. I was not really paying attention. I passed joke books. I passed other sorts of books. And I found a book that caught my eye. I hadn't expected to see it. And when I saw it, the hair on my arms stood up and the hair on my neck stood up. And I looked around to see if there's a hidden camera somewhere. And I reached up and I pulled the book from that shelf and I looked at the name on the cover. And it about took my breath away. There was a man on the cover with red curly hair who had a face that was made for radio. (laughs) I walked that book to the cashier. I set it down. And she asked what all cashiers ask at the bookstores. She said, she said, uh, would you like to apply for a credit card, 10% off this purchase and no annual fees? I said, "Uh, sure, why not? She said, great, great. Would you like to donate to the Children's Literacy Fund? It's only $4 plus the cost of a book, bringing it up to $24. I said, uh, sure, why not? She said, okay, would you like to donate $10 to the animal shelter? It goes to a good cause. I said, uh, why not? She said, would you like to take a survey? It gives you a dollar off coupon in our coffee shop and three free sugar cubes. I said, bring it on. She said, would you like to enter in your email address? It'll give you enough daily junk email in your inbox to short-circuit Congress. I said, no thanks. And then she started ringing me up. And while I reached into my wallet to get my cash out to pay for this book, this overpriced book, she was looking at it. She said, huh, I've never seen this one before. I wonder what it's about. Well... I didn't say much, but I could have told her what it's about. It's about a boy. About a boy who had a rocky life growing up, just like everybody else. Everybody gets the same amount, I believe, of hardship that leads them to exactly right where they are right now. 
It's about a boy who, who liked to read books that were funny. He liked words. He liked hooking words together to make complete thoughts. He liked the sound of laughter within himself. And if he couldn't get it out of himself, he liked the sound of laughter from others. It's about a boy with a cousin named Ed Lee and a mother who worked really hard to make that boy feel special in life. It's about a child who misses his father. It's about a dreamer. It's about a man who pieced together a mishmash education and somehow managed to write parts of his life down on paper. But really and truly, it's about more than that. And I told that cashier as much. I said, this book right there that you're holding, ma'am, it is about, it's about life. It's about everything and nothing. May you have a happy Thanksgiving this year. To you and yours, I wish you the very best of holidays. Thank you very much for having me this evening. It's been a wonderful pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host today, Sean Dietrich. And man, it's been a bona fide pleasure, if I do say so myself. Hope you join us next week, maybe even a week after that, if you ain't got nothing going on. That wonderful music you heard behind me today was Cho Check Brass Band. This New Orleans dance band plays music from all kinds of genres, Eastern European, Afrobeat, Klezmer, Western, Classical. The Cho Check Brass Band sounds are inspired by acts all over the world, including Miles Davis, Rebirth Brass Band, and the traditional New Orleans dance music that reminds you of the sweaty south of days gone by. To find anything more about what they do, visit ChoCheckBrassBand.com C-O-C-E-K And while you're there, I hope you take the time to download one of their albums because it will be well worth your time. To find anything more about what I do, visit SeanOfTheSouthShow.com And there you can find archived episodes dating back to our very first one all the way to the one you've just heard today. While you're there, I hope you take the time to drop me a line, tell me about your birthday announcements, bar mitzvahs, wedding invitations, grandparents' anniversaries, and church potlucks socials and I'll do my best to read them over the air if I'm so inclined because I love to do that sort of stuff for my friends and speaking of friends friends remember this Thanksgiving you didn't fight your way to the top of the food chain just to be a vegetarian adios